I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A major shakeup with the Rays. Who's out and what does it all mean? Plus, the Bucks get ready for the champs. We give you the latest from One Buck Place. All that and more on today's edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. Hey, everybody. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. Quite a week here in Tampa Bay sports. We've got the lightning opening up on Friday. We're here to talk about all that's going on. You can find us wherever you can find your podcast each and every day. You can listen to us on SoundCloud or at TampaBay.com. Better yet, subscribe where you get your podcast. Let's get right to it, Rick. Big moves with the Rays on Tuesday. Jim Hickey out as pitching coach. Shocking move there. Hickey out. He'll be replaced by Triple pitching coach Kyle Snyder also Charlie Montoya goes from the third base coach to bench coach that's an interesting move as well we'll talk about that in a second but what do you make of Jim Hickey out as pitching coach of the race uh, you know it, it just it feels like a race thing I mean I, I guess you could look at it and say well you know um, Kevin Cash sort of inherited um, that staff you know Foley is out and now Hickey's out um, and yet they're replacing him with Ray's guys you know, I mean, they're bringing up the, uh, you know, the AAA uh, pitching coach, Kyle Snyder. Right. Montoya, who, who used to manage in AAA, is now the bench coach. I mean, they're just moving pieces around. So I, I think it's more of a Rays thing than it is a Kevin Cash thing. And I don't know what yeah. ultimately what the Rays' plans are and, and why. I mean, I'll just say this. If there's a better pitching coach than Jim Hickey, I haven't met him. Um, and the idea, I, I think I read a quote maybe from Kevin Cash, and I, and I hope I'm not misquoting him, but it was something to the effect of, you know, with the young pitchers we're going to have next year, they think that, you know, Snyder would, would do a really good job. Well, I got news for you. Uh, Jim Hickey has done a really good job with young pitchers. David Price. Has James he? Shields. When okay. He was okay. Yeah, keep going. I mean, you're, oh, you don't you're, think you're so? good so far. Well, keep Chris going. Chris Archer, keep going. I, I would I would get, I'd grant you that he hasn't gotten through to Arch just yet. Um but I mean, he he's had he's had his the Rays have had as much success with their starting pitchers Alex Cobb and and you could go on um, sure. as as any organization in baseball. I mean, that has been why they've been relevant. Uh, but going back to the Joe Madden days, absolutely. And I, and I think I think Hickey has had talent to work with. I'm not I'm not saying he hasn't. And and now that the pitching really you know let them down last year, I thought overall, especially the starting pitching. I still don't think he forgot how to how to how to coach pitching, and if they, if he if, if Snyder is better, um, it would surprise me. You can always tell how good anybody is at their job by how quickly they get another job after they've been let go. I would not be stunned if it's sometime during these playoffs, like for example, the Rockies play the Diamondbacks, if Jim Hickey comes flying out of the dugout as the pitching <laughs> coach of one of those teams. That's how good he is. He's going to get a job immediately. And Rick, I agree with everything you say. He's a really good pitching coach. But people are acting. I've noticed a reaction on Twitter, Facebook, and so forth. All oh, the sky is falling. Typical raise, cutting budget, getting rid of the best thing they ever had. 
I, maybe it's time for a different voice. And I'm not saying that Jim Hickey isn't really good. And I'm not saying he's not better than Kyle Snyder. He very well may be. But maybe it's time for a new voice. Maybe it's time for, maybe Chris Archer's tired of listening to Jim Hickey. I don't know that he is. I'm not saying there's a rift. But maybe Jake Odorizzi and, and Chris Archer and Blake Snell, they just need to hear somebody else after you've heard the same guy for the last, whatever, seven, eight, nine years, however long as Hickey's been here. I don't know. Maybe Maybe a change of voice isn't a bad idea. Well, that's what they said when they hired, uh, uh, you know, Kevin Cash. But um, <laughs> that hasn't worked out so well. I, I think that I, what you say makes sense to some degree. I mean, sometimes you know the message gets lost from the messenger because um, whatever whatever Hickey is telling Chris Archer it hasn't really you know sunk in yet just yet. But that doesn't mean that new is better. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we don't. You know, to, 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 in all fairness. Somebody gave Jim Hickey his start. So, you know, we don't know enough about, at least I don't, um, about the, the men replacing him. I mean, we know Charlie Montoyo is the third base coach. Is he a better bench coach, you know, than Foley? I, I don't know. Um, he was a manager. I mean, he may, he may be great. And there was some thought that maybe he would be a candidate uh, and still may be a candidate for a manager's job somewhere. We don't know. Sure. So, so that's always possible as well. It, it just seems like... There is a lot of the tail wagging the dog here, if you will. In other words, this is a strong front office. If this was, if this was a city, right, it, it, it's not strong mayor, weak city council. This is strong council, weak mayor. The mayor being Kevin Cash. This, this organization is run in every way it can be by the front office. It is overbearing at times. And you, you have to have complete buy-in. Whatever they want to try, they're going to try. And it just, it just always seems to me, I think there is a, probably a financial component, although I don't know that that's driving this decision. It probably drove Madden's. But, and they, they, do want, you know, they do want to try their own guys. I, I, I think you just got to go with it. But um, this isn't Kevin Cash saying, you know, I got a couple of guys that I, I got a pitching coach that I worked with or the, some guy that I caught. Uh, when I was playing, that, that you know, I want him to be my pitching coach. No, he's he's taking he's taking on the Rays AAA pitching coach. He's taking I, on his third base coach who came yeah. from the Rays. And there's nothing wrong with that if they're good people. But it, you gotta you gotta you, you gotta feel like this isn't this isn't Kevin Cash. This is the Rays front office. See, I I thought it struck me to be the opposite. It struck me that this is more of a Kevin Cash move than it is the front office. And I don't know. Look, there very well may be a situation where Jim Hickey doesn't want to be back. You know, maybe he went to the Rays and said, "Look, may, you know, I'm getting my tired time has come." This. Yeah, yeah, and sure. he knows he can he knows he can get a job somewhere else. Maybe he's tired of dealing with Chris Archer and Blake Snell. It's possible, but I if it seems to me that if that nobody would know how what kind of job Kevin or what kind of job Jim Hickey's doing or how he works with the pitchers better than Kevin Cash and I don't know if Kevin Cash would go to the front office and say hey I really want this guy to stay and that they, they wouldn't listen to him I think that they might and I don't know it's odd that you say that I I don't know that you're wrong Rick I'm just saying it struck me the opposite Well look way at the history of the maybe franchise Maybe Kevin Cash wants him out yeah Just look at the history of the franchise you know, I mean, and, and I know you, you don't have Andrew Friedman, but, you know, it's not run that differently. I, I just, I really believe that because they have to do things different, because there's a raise way, and that's why Kevin Cash is here, you buy in, right, when you come when you come to this to the major leagues with the raise. I just feel like that's their history. Their history is 
We'll make the decisions on the coaches. We'll make the decisions. I mean, even when even when they hired Kevin Cash, they they didn't let him bring anybody. He had to take right. whatever whatever was here. You sure. know, it was like, well, Madden's out, but we're keeping Hickey and we're keeping this guy, and you know, so I don't think this is any different. I think this this feels like the heavy-handed front office, and they may have their reasons, and Cash may have had great input and, and said exactly what you're saying. I mean, they they both they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, Cash may feel, you know, that. You know, and 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 maybe, you know, maybe in all those long games, Hickey on the bench said, "Man, I sure would like to manage someplace where Joe is, or you know, like where there's three million people that come yeah. to the games, or uh, I can see how the other half is living. I sure would love that too, before I die." Um, so there could be a, a willingness on 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 you know the other one's part as well. But to see to see both Hickey Foley. Who was the other guy they got rid of that I didn't know what he did? Um, there's somebody else, a third well, one. Well, a year ago they got rid of Derek Shelton. I mean, I, right. I, well, that but that seemed performance based to me. I mean, that had been rumored even when Madden was here, and I think Shelton was a victim of no talent. <laughs> you know, as much as as much as Hickey probably benefited from having talent because they had pitching talent, but they didn't have hitting talent. Um, Shelton probably probably got, but I would just say look at the history of the organization; it hasn't changed much. I think they're making the calls. How do you think this is going to go over with the fans? Because I don't think it's going to go over well. Not that you should make your front office decisions based on what the fans think, Rick. But yeah. I think this is going to send a pretty pretty bad message to the fans and that they think, oh, well, that's just great. Now we're losing everybody. First we lose Madden, then we lose Friedman. Now we're losing Jim Hickey. Because it's funny, you mentioned Madden. When Madden left, the one thing everybody said was, well, at least they're not losing Hickey. At least that, he might be the most valuable guy in that in that coaching staff. I think by losing Hickey, and again, they have their reasons, and I think it may be actually a good thing. I don't think the fans are going to like this move. They won't, but nobody comes to watch somebody manage or change pitchers. It just that's just the <laughs> way it true. is. I mean, you know, it, I, they they won't like it though. You're right. They'll they'll look at it as more evidence of you don't want to pay somebody, or you don't know what you're doing, or you know what have you. But the only thing that matters is the results, right? So, I mean, if they if they were to somehow strike lightning, catch lightning in a bottle again, and a bunch of guys come up from AAA and they start, you know, balling, then all of a sudden it's going to look like the greatest move in the world. On the other hand, when you see Jim Hickey, you know, going to the mound in Game 7 of the World Series next year. Um, <laughs> for the people, Cubs, yeah. Yeah, for the Cubs or, yeah, exactly. Uh, if I was Mike Butcher right now, I'd be a little nervous. <laughs> um, you know, then, then all of a sudden, you know, you might say, yeah, we had those guys. I've just kind of lived this. And, and I know, you know, sort of, especially in baseball, unless you're Mike Sosha for whatever reason, it seems like, you know, there really he's got is. Photo, he's got pictures of somebody. So somebody, they got something. But there really is sort of like like milk and, and, and cheese. There's an expiration date on all these guys. Um, they just don't stick around all that long. But I've seen it. I've seen it go the other way. I mean, you, you know, you're talking to a guy who covers a franchise that fired both Tony Dungy and John Gruden. And for years and years, the number one candidates before they just decided TV was too good and too lucrative was Tony Dungy and John Gruden. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it doesn't always work out. It can lead to, you know, four coaching changes in eight years if you're not careful. Um, but again, uh, there's probably a bigger plan that we don't know. I mean, this this is a this is going to be obviously a bigger off season of upheaval when you start when you start tampering and, and really making wholesale changes at key positions on the coaching staff. 
So I just wonder, you know, uh, wait till they get into the players. <laughs> you know. Well, there, that's the next interesting part. But, Ricky, you mentioned we've talked about this before. You and I have talked about this a ton of times when we did our radio show. And we, we've written things about it where people want to blame Derek Shelton because the team didn't hit. I mean, Evan Longoria right. is having a, beard, having a bad year. It's Derek Shelton's fault. And, we, and I always thought that was kind of silly. Um, and right. I don't know. It's not fair to, to say the same thing about Jim Hickey, that I'm going to blame him for Chris Archer's struggles or that Blake right. Snell didn't develop sooner than he did. But do you do you think that there might have been they might have looked and say, you know what? Chris Archer's not getting that much better. And Blake Snell was slow to develop. And Jake Odorizzi kind of got stuck there. Maybe they maybe Jim Hickey didn't do a good enough job with those guys. Again, I'm not saying he didn't because I think yeah. those guys I, he doesn't go out there and throw for him. But, yeah, I, that's, I was going to say, I'd, I'd like to see the evaluation of that. Like, what are the analytics there? I mean, because, you know, you can't give them all the credit for David Price and you can't give them all the blame for Chris Archer. It's, right. you know, th- those guys do not throw the ball. If they're telling them the right things, if they're working hard, if they're preparing them every five days, there's really only so much you can do. That was the whole thing about, about Shelton. Well, you know, so when Longoria had a monster year, they then forget to tell him all the things he told him that season and then the next <laughs> season told him something different. I mean, right. it, it, you know, it really is kind of silly. And the other thing is that I get a kick out of this too. So Charlie Montoya, he's going to be the bench coach, right? Right. So now he's got all the answers to help Kevin Cash. Did he not let him know anything when he was at third base last year? Could he yeah, have given he him some secret, clues yeah. then or was it just a big <laughs> secret? You know I what find I mean? that it seems no, silly. I know. I find that move interesting, though, Rick, because I, I mentioned this on our last podcast. I think it was that I, I, I never saw Tom Foley as being the next manager of the race. I can right. see Charlie Montoya maybe being the next manager of the race. I think it was an interesting move, and I wonder if Kevin Cash was cool with Charlie Montoya coming on as bench coach. I, and I suppose, <laughs> look, you could have made Charlie yeah. Montoya the manager. From the third, he can, it's easy to go from third base to one yeah. seat over. But right. uh, I find it interesting. I th- I found that to be an interesting move that they clearly want to keep Charlie Montoya in the organization. So maybe they gave him a bit of a promotion there. It um, is, and um, and I don't know. And there's still Jared Sandberg sitting down here in the Myers. I'm curious to be too. Be the third? Who will be the third base coach? I wonder if Rocco Baldelli will slide over there, or they'll, they'll go out and get somebody a veteran guy. But I don't know. I I would not be stunned if Charlie Montoya is the next manager of the Rays. Whenever that is, a year or two or three years from now. Well, he could be, or or you you know you could be setting the table depending on what happens to the AAA manager Sandberg, who's very very good too. So yep. I don't know who has a bigger upside, but it sure seems like you know they're staying inside the organization and promoting guys uh, that they have some you know they, I mean they they have some sweat equity. I mean these guys do in the race in the minor leagues, and you know. If I was a dude like Montoya that managed down there and, and got to be a third base coach and now I'm a bench coach, I feel pretty good about who I work for because I think I think it's neat that, you know, you get promoted for doing a good job. Um, sometimes guys just get blocked and, they, you know, I mean, look how long Joe Madden was in the Angels organization. Sure. Right? I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, with the Angels that probably wish they had fired Socha, <laughs> you know, and, and let Madden take over. But um, so I can't. I can't be totally down on them for doing that, but but when you, I mean, you're losing some some pretty good people off that coaching staff, and sometimes change is good, and sometimes change is just change. You know, I've seen it go the other way. Sure, 
The other thing is, it seems curious that the explanation for all this is, well, we got all these young kids coming up and they might relate to these guys. Well, who are all these young guys coming up? Or Can somebody explain that to me? I, I, I didn't know they were that loaded down in the minors, because if they are, let's go. Let's start bringing these guys well, up. Well, I think they should. Whoever they have, look, they, they won their league, right? Right. So they're That's champions. True. So bring them up. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's get, you know, Bowers up here. Let's get everybody up here. I mean, I really think that this is a franchise that, like 08, has to hope that they have somebody down there that can come and grow in the major leagues. Now, whether they're ready and they're going to rush them uh, too fast or they just know that they're going to have to, you know, they need the infusion of the new blood because they've kind of, you know, they've kind of pieced this thing together. You, you know, your franchise guy is is definitely on the backside of his career. If not, you know, maybe they even consider trading him. Um, you look around the infield and you really are, are, are got a bunch of guys you acquired through trades. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer, um, you know, is sort of your franchise guy, I guess. And Steven Souza finally, you know, fulfilled his promise with some trades you made a while ago, but there just isn't really that nucleus, which you have to have, especially if you're the Rays, I think is that nucleus of young talent that you can sign and can control, but that can play positions and not just be, you know, three of your five starters in the, in the rotation. I, I just think that they have to make that move. And now would be a good time because I got news for you. No one's going to come to the game anyway. You well, know? here's the other thing. I think they're about to start over here, Rick. I think this is, That's what I, I, think, think. I think they're getting ready to head into a major drought here. And yeah. I look there, they went 80 and 82, sure. which if, if they had just had a better two weeks, you could take two weeks out of the season, flip flop the, uh, it's a bunch of losses to some Tom, they needed there. two, they needed three games. They needed two, two games difference because but, every but team you, this year that had a winning record was, is in the playoffs in the American league. But don't you get the sense that we're going to watch, start watching the playoffs here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to see the Red Sox. We're going to see the Indians. We're going to see even watching like the Yankees and the twins. It feels like they are miles away from being as good as those teams it does. to me. I it just does. don't think. Yeah. But, and yet then you see them play them in a series and you know, they might take two out of three. In right. Cleveland. You know, you just, yeah. I mean, baseball's that way. I mean, I, I would agree with you that, you know, over the course of 162 games, they're, they're not in their level. But in the American League, like I said, every team, you know, was just, with the exception of maybe the Red Sox, weren't, weren't that far over 500 this year. I mean, in the, in the entire American League, really. I mean, you got the Indians, yeah. But everybody that had a winning record essentially made the playoffs. <laughs> so this was the year to be mediocre, and they just fell shy of that. I just look at this team, and not only do I get the sense that they're not, that they weren't really that close this year, and they're still not close for several years. I, no. I don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Because sometimes when you have a team, even before 2008, you start to see signs that oh, okay, yeah. maybe this team might be coming a little bit. And you knew Price was coming eventually. And you knew you know all these guys were. But I don't get that sense with this team. Like, I don't know who I'm waiting on, you know? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Blake, I'm, right. Am I waiting for Blake Snell to get better? Am I waiting for... Well, he's uh, one. You know, I guess. But is, is Chris Archer finally going to get it? But... 
I'm just I'm selling right now on the Rays. I just think it's going to be a bad few years here where the best you can hope for is, you know, 81 and 81. Yeah, and I think they're forecasting a change. I think they're forecasting um, a lot of youth and the fact that that they're serious about (laughs) as serious as they've ever been about not spending money. I think they're even more serious now. (laughs) Doggone it. They're serious. We're (laughs) we're not spending another time on this thing. That's right. Well, I'll tell you what. They better start putting shovels in the ground somewhere because – People are gonna really lose interest if. Uh, oh yeah, then if then you go down to you go down to seventy five hundred instead of eight thousand at the trial. <laughs> I'm telling you, fans are serious about not coming too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, Rick, back at work again, are continuing to work to get ready for Thursday night's game against the defending champions. One interesting thing going on, and and you've been talking about this really for a week or so is that relationship between Jameis Winston and Deshaun Jackson. You talked to Deshaun a little bit on Tuesday over at One Buck Place. Is everything cool? Everything copacetic here, or is this something that the Buck fans need to worry about? i tell you what, man. Deshaun <laughs> Jackson, to me, is not Dexter Jackson, who they drafted. He's Deshaun Jackson. And the thing is, when you get a guy and pay him $30.5 million and sign him to a three-year deal, and you announce to the world, this is the guy who we must get the ball to. He's the explosive player we are lacking. We need that downfield threat. We need to, you know, he's averaged 17.7 yards per per catch in his career. It is on you, okay, as a franchise to figure out how to do that. And, you know, it it has been three games, three regular season games. And I'm one that believes that, you know, preseason, training camp, all that is not the regular season. Right. However... They've had plenty of practices. They've thrown plenty of balls. They've run plenty of routes, okay? Before, during, and after practice, I was there. I saw them. They hit them. Sometimes they missed them. The bottom line is this. Deshaun Jackson has never caught fewer passes in the first three games of his career than he has this year. Wow. The only exception was 2015 when he, when he you know, hurt his hamstring in game one against Miami and had no catches. Mm-hmm. But he was hurt. He's played 10 years, and this is the fewest catches he's had, nine, in three games. And the fewest, I believe the fewest yards as well are right there with it. So, you know, it's not like his skills are diminished. I can I can play the tape. We can put on the tape if you want to. I'll show you. I'll <laughs> I don't show need you it read back to me like I'm a read shot. back to me. I'll show you the tape. Let's go to the tape. And you can see him behind the defense, open, smoking fools. Right. Doing Mm -hmm. what? What he was paid to do. But the receiver position, whether you like it or not, is totally dependent on everybody else. You know, you just don't turn around and hand the ball to him. Although running backs, you know, they they beg for the ball, too, believe it or not. But sure. You got to block. You got to protect. It's hard to get guys open to this league. You know what I mean? You get everything just right. you, You better deliver the ball. And that's what Winston hasn't done. It's hard to get a first down. That's what Winston hasn't done. Uh, And and look, there's a a lot going on here. I mean, Deshaun Jackson came in um, predominantly because they paid him the most money, let's be honest. Sure. He looked at some other teams, including the Giants and some others. But he also, you know, saw the pieces here and thought, you know, that he he'd like. I've talked to him. He'd like to win a championship. He he'd like to go to the playoffs and try to win a Super Bowl before he's before he's done. And again, this is his tenth year. It's not his fifth year. So he comes here, and there's so much. 
um, chemistry between Mike Evans, so much trust between Jameis and Mike Evans. And they've, they've earned that. They've earned it together. And there's so much trust between Jameis and Cameron Brait. And so much trust between Adam Humphreys and Jameis. And they're clicking because they were clicking the last at the end of last year. Sure. And, and, and it's not happening for Deshaun right now. But there comes a time when, you know, they're going to have to make him part of the puzzle because I really believe that even though we don't realize it, he's creating more opportunities for those guys, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that Evans is going to have any fewer catches. But you know what? Evans is – and I'm not blaming Dirk or, any, or Jameis for this, but Evans has been targeted, you know, I want to say almost twice as much as Deshaun. That sounds you know, right. Yeah. Deshaun's had 20 targets. Uh, he's caught nine balls. That's not a great percentage. And I can recall at least three times that he got behind the defense and, and Jameis is 0 for 3. Now, they did have the one 20-yarder in Minnesota, um, sort of, you know, over the shoulder thing for a touchdown. Right. But it just it isn't happening. And, you know, the game like Thursday night is the perfect game for Deshaun Jackson. In other words, you need to match Tom Brady somehow, who's going to throw the ball down the field to Chris Hogan, down the field to Brandon Cooks. They're bombing people away. And you're going to need that. You're going to need that 67-yard touchdown somewhere. And these are the games that a big-time player like like Deshaun Jackson was brought here to do. But but it's on the offensive coordinator. It's on the quarterback. It's on all of them to get him involved. And 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 people have been you know they've been kind of texting me and, and tweeting me or whatever and saying, oh here we go, you know he's not happy they're winning. He is happy they're winning. Part of you know being a. Uh Playmaker in this league that wants to make plays. You know, uh, anytime I get the opportunity to get the ball, uh, you know, I just want to make good plays and you know help my team uh, win the game and just create big plays. So it's just part of um, part of that. Who said he's not happy there? But here, let me let me throw this at you, Rick, because one of the rightly or wrongly, fairly or unfairly, one of the criticisms of Deshaun Jackson was like any great receiver, he has a little bit of diva in him. He wants the football and. He's going to complain if he doesn't get the football. That was his reputation, at least before he got here. Again, I don't know if that's fair or unfair, but that's sort of the story we heard before, that if he doesn't get the ball, he's not happy. Same thing you could say about Beckham and Antonio Brown and everybody else. Yeah, I don't I don't. So how accurate accurate is that? And sort of where's Deshaun Jackson's head right now? Because I know you talked to him on on Tuesday. I I don't think it is as accurate. I mean, Deshaun Jackson has never been a guy who's caught 100 balls. Okay, he's just not that guy. Right. Um, I think he's he realizes that he may catch 65, 70, you know. Right. And he's cool with that because he's Barry Bonds, man. He's a home run hitter. He's going to I mean, 17.7 average for a career is insane. Okay, an explosive play in the passing game is 16 yards plus, you know, And, and you might get four or five of those a game if you're lucky. And this guy averages an explosive. So that's why they brought him. I'm just going back to the reason they got him. I mean, I think what Deshaun is disappointed in is that he had the expectation that he could be the difference in, you know, in, in helping them win. And let's be honest, you know, they didn't finish every drive the other night. Um, they needed a field goal at the end of the game to win it. Uh, they, they threw the ball behind him a couple times, including the time he got frustrated on the two-point conversion. You know, those throws got to be made. And and in and, and talking to Deshaun, he's like, look, we, you know, he said, we're in the NFL. We get paid to do our jobs. 
and we got to make those plays. Well, when he says that, I read it as I made, I did my job. Right. The quarterback has to do his. And and for all the things that Jameis is, one of the things he's not is a great deep ball thrower. He's not. Right. right. He's he's good if you if you're on the sideline. He's better throwing that. You run a deep post. I mean, Mike. I had the conversation with Mike Pajakin. He struggles with that. And now you add a guy with the kind. He's never played with a guy like Deshaun Jackson, ever. And few people have. Sure. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think they need to get on the same page pretty quickly because I think it'll make their their offense just go to another level. And that's why he's here. Right. So right. I put it on all of them. I, it's on Deshaun too. I mean, you know. He missed some OTAs, and that was brought up today, and he goes, that's neither here nor there. We've had plenty, and I agree with him at this point. They have been out there an awful lot of hours. They've run an awful lot of routes. Right, right. It's time to start hitting your layups. I, I, you know, just to play devil's advocate on this thing, if I'm Jameis Winston, and, and I know as a quarterback, look, everybody wants to football. I'm they trying do. to do my best. I'm trying they to get do. it to Mike. I'm trying to get it to Cam. I'm trying to get it to OJ. It's a lot of mouths to feed. Absolutely. And if I'm Jameis Winston, I'm also saying, okay, not to pat myself on the back here too much, but if you look at my stats last week, pretty good, pretty accurate, threw yeah. over 60%, I think, threw for more than 300 yards. And if we had a kicker who made his kicks, so we'd have won that game easily last week. Yep. So the offense is actually doing its job. I'll get you the ball when I can, but yeah. let's uh, let's not let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. We're we're doing okay, you know. Well, they're two and one, and you know if he if he makes a better throw in Minnesota, maybe that game doesn't get out of hand. And it's fourteen to ten. I mean, uh, you know that's that's what we're talking about. I mean, they were nine and seven without him last year. They can go nine and seven and ignore him again this year. I, I just, I mean, I just think that you know it, it is on all of them. You know, and and there are a lot of mouths to feed. There really are, and I like Adam Humphreys. I do, but is Adam Humphreys going to break games for you? I mean, he made a hell of a no, play. No, Adam Humphreys is going to get you. He's going to extend some drives. He's going to get you some first downs. And he's a great all, slot receiver, and, yeah. and, and he does his job, and he does it very well. He caught 55 balls last year, right? But, you know, it's and, – and, and talk about a guy that just gave me the damn ball, right? Keyshawn Johnson, another mm-hmm. dude that I liked. Um, but Keyshawn will tell you, you know, when you have players like that, you have to – you have to build some stuff around them to get them off, to get them going, right? And then everything can play off of that. The problem is, is that, you know, Deshaun is used to being featured a lot wherever he's been. And and he doesn't have any trouble being a number two, but it can't just always be Mike, 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 Mike. You know? Like yeah. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to involve him early. And I think if you do that, you know, the body language gets better. You get a little rapport with the guy. Throw him a hitch. You know yeah. what I mean? Throw him, throw him something that's, that's you know, inside. And even though he's a little guy, you know, they're going to play off of him, you know. So, so throw him a smoke route out there and let him, let him go one-on-one, you know, if they're playing five or ten yards off. I mean, get him involved in the offense so that he's just not running down the field and either you're not seeing him or you're overthrowing him or you're underthrowing him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you're just not going to get that many looks. I mean, John Gruden said this a long time ago when I was, you know, a coach followed a lot of coaches, and he was he was right about this. He's like, man, you design these plays, and and you know, the longer the pass, the, the lower the percentage throw, right? But even having said that, when you set these things up and it's there, man, that's a big opportunity. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. When when you got Joey Galloway, when you've got guys that can run like that, I mean, Joey Galloway, you know, he say, "What is a one trick pony?" You know what? He was good for ten touchdowns that year. Yeah. I mean, you know, those are 
those are game-changing, demoralizing plays. And I think this Thursday night, you know, the one thing about Deshaun is, man, he gets lit, you know, for these kind of games. Jameis does too. And this would be the perfect game for, for them to uh, to attack that secondary because right now the Patriots can't cover anyone. Well, here's the thing, too. When you talk about speed, I don't care how good Bill Belichick is. I don't care what game plan he has. I don't care if Rodney Harrison comes out of retirement. <laughs> you, it's speed is speed. You get you can't yeah. stop it. You know, it's it's yeah. one of those things that you just you can't stop yeah. speed. The good news, I think, Rick, and it's what's gonna I think sort of derail any issues between Deshaun and the Bucks is it's not like Dirk Cutter's rolling his eyes when people ask him, like, hey Deshaun, no. you gotta get him the ball. Like he gets it. And it seems like Jameis gets it. Like they know that he has to get the ball and that his complaints aren't unwarranted, that he has a legitimate beef to be complaining. And I don't think he's it's not a distraction in his complaints it's but he's saying i want the football and i i think they get that which is which is good because it would be bad if they were saying yeah 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 here we go here's Deshaun complaining about the one the ball yeah, they know they understand that he needs to get the ball yeah and i think um you know a lot this is an ownership thing but do you not think dirk carter was banging the drum saying we really need this guy let's do what we can to get him right and then ownership went out and did that I mean, if if Deshaun is doing his part and he's in shape, appears to be, and he's working hard, appears to be, there was some question as to how much he knew about the playbook in training camp. We saw that, but it appears like he knows what he's lining up and doing. <laughs> he's, he's like, man, I'm just I'm just going to go out there. See there? Yeah. I'm going to run past that I'm going guy. deep. Throw okay? me the football, yeah. That's right. I'm getting behind everybody. Just throw it to me. <laughs> Um, That's like when we were kids, we play pickup ball. Like we, yeah. we, somebody would want to run. Like, hey, let's let's get some plays. No, I'm just going out, man. I'll get open. Just throw me the ball. Go deep. Yeah, just go out. <laughs> Everybody go out. That was my favorite play. Everybody that go out. Right. Everybody go out. Yeah, yeah. I hit you with something. <laughs> but um, but that's kind of what they they're at now. And 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 I I really believe that like you, you've you've kind of, you know, and good for Dirk for saying it because a lot of coaches would have gone would have said and given that press conference after the other night when they won. And somebody mentions Deshaun like caught two balls, blah, blah, blah. A lot of coaches that I've covered would have said, you know, we're just trying to win games here. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there that can make plays. And, you know, we're going to let Jameis read it out and throw it to who he thinks is open. And that would be the end of it. But not Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter said he should be disappointed. It's on me. It's on us. We have to do a better job because he's a weapon. And that's the thing. It would be different if he's, yeah, he's circling the drain. Maybe he's got another year or two. No, this guy is a weapon, and he can take you to the next level. But I don't think the quarterback, for as great as he is and as good as he played the other night, he's not there on that level yet. Does that make sense to you? No, absolutely. When Donovan McNabb, when when Deshaun Jackson came in as a rookie, okay, how much training training camp do you think him and Donovan had? One offseason? One training camp, right? First three games, the dude caught like – I don't know, 17, 18 balls, you know, for yeah. massive yards. He's a rookie. What do you know what to do? You know, but guess what? McNabb got him the ball and he made huge plays. And he's done that the first three games of every year, except this year. So I don't think his skills are diminishing because, but on the film, man, I can see, you can see him behind the defense. Yeah. Like, Is it, this thing with Jameis, this thing with Jameis though, is it fixable, Rick? Him hitting, throwing the long ball? Yes. Yes, totally. It absolutely is. I, I just, you know, again, I. it's not like he can't throw it. It's just that it's not the best thing he does. Yeah. And he's got, he's gotten better. There's still work. There's just certain routes that he doesn't quite, you know, never had a guy that fast, 
has has a little better read on balls down the sideline than he does in the middle of the field for whatever reason, according to Mike Bajakin and others. So I just think, you know, he's he's only playing – he's played 35 games, which isn't a lot in an NFL career if you're going to match the guy across the sideline who's, you know, 40 years old. Right. So, you know, give him some time, but Deshaun doesn't have a whole lot of time, and he, he just as soon make plays now. We got one more day for the Bucks to get ready for the New England Patriots, and we'll give you our preview and our predictions coming up uh, on our next podcast. And uh, we'll also find out a little bit more about who's healthy, who's not going to be healthy for that game on uh, Thursday night. Uh, Rick, before we go, I was going to ask you about the Rockies and Diamondbacks and the wild card game coming up on Wednesday. And you know why I'm, I'm not? Because I don't care about either one of those teams. Can I just say this? <laughs> I there I I don't even there's their expansion teams to me still. The Rockies have been to the World Series. The Diamondbacks have won the World Series, and I still every time I watch them, they seem like expansion teams to me. I have no interest in that game. No is interest that in those be, teams. But is that just because of where they're located, and you never get to see them? Play probably, probably. Night? Yeah, I guess. And I'm sure. Look, I'm I'm saying this as somebody who watches the Tampa Bay Rays on a regular basis. Right. I'm sure people in Colorado feel that way. But Same way. I I have no interest in the Rockies or the Diamondbacks. They don't feel like real teams to me, and they clearly well, are. They're in the playoffs. The Diamondbacks are better, from what I understand. <laughs> And the Dodgers will probably beat either one of them. So that's kind of how that's going to go, I wow. think. That I guess we'll let people know what happened in that game when we talk to them uh, the next time on our podcast. Uh, Rick Stroud, Tom Jones. Again, uh, it's Rick Tom Podcast is our Twitter handle, at NFL Stroud, at Tom W. Jones. Subscribe to the podcast. You can get us anywhere, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, SoundCloud and TampaBay.com. Our thanks to Steve Versnick, our producer. And we'll talk to you next time as we get you ready for Bucks and Patriots Thursday Night Football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.